Um, welcome everybody for joining us. Welcome, Steve. Hi. Welcome. From Arizona. How are we? Yeah, rocking Very and rolling. Good. Just one and thing I will say, just as, as you've stopped on me, is I will say, uh, please uh, add anybody add the questions on the. I know it's a comfort thing. You may not feel comfortable too if, if you're teaching right now, but please add questions because I can imagine Michelle's going to say context is uh, important with this and us answering questions uh, well michelle answering questions on this is is going to very much be based on a everyone's scenario situation you can only assume and you know what assumption does to people oh, <laughs> was that the wrong okay no you're Good. right it makes an michelle. ass out of you and me <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's assume that's it right? so michelle here we are welcome to today welcome to this uh naked vocalist podcast and we're going to be talking business. We're going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about how teachers can get involved and can get the business back on track if indeed it was affected recently. Yeah. Um, but first up, we better start with who you are and what you do. Oh, if you don't mind? Sure. So my name is Michelle Marquardt Devoe, and I work with mission and core values-driven voice-related business owners. Blah, 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 blah in order to become the people that they need to become to run the businesses that they want to create. So I get to be a business coach, a little bit of life coach, a little bit of motivational speaker, and a whole lot of get your shit done. Ooh, am I allowed to use Absolutely. That yeah, there'll be no bleeping. Oh, God. So that's what I do. I do that in three ways. I do it with a 10 week program called How to Run Your Voice Biz Without Hating Your Boss. You can do that live or self guided. I do that in the Speakeasy Cooperative, which is a membership subscription business coaching mastermind group. Has a couple of extensions that are higher level programs within Speakeasy. And I do it with uh, intensive private coaching days. Yes. And as well, you're a vocal coach too. And. I am a voice coach and a voice teacher. So I work, who do I primarily work with now? You know, right now I primarily work with teachers. Great. So right now my number, like the people that are coming to me right now are other voice teachers who kind of want a mentorship hybrid of, I want to discover my voice. I want to learn better about uh, pop rock jazz and popular musics and musical theater stylings because that's where my passion sits and um, a lot of crossover, you know, I was trained classically, now I wanna do this. And also teachers who are also performing artists, so gigging, gigging, touring artists. So we're like, how do I create my studio over here and still be doing a bunch of, you know, recording, touring, online touring, which is a cool thing right now, by the way. Mm, right. And, um, and then I work with a lot of I, like politicians, executives, people who are actually using their speaking voice to become kind of more well-known in their communities. Anyone who has something that they have to say, that's a good person to work with me. Excellent. Wow. That's, awesome. And that's a huge scope. You must be very busy. Goodness well, me. Go ahead. No, no, go on. You, I mean, you were, you were going to enlighten us to, your, to how oh, you manage your schedule. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, this can be helpful for everyone. When you know what you want and you know what you can do, the time that it will take to do those things will become clear to you and you will manage it as an act of self-nurturing. So I am not busy, but I am full of things that I choose to do. 
What Does a wonderful inc- segue. That is a great that is a great segue. Yeah, now let me tell you. Because we want to get into this. I'm sure there are yeah. thousands, if not millions, of voice teachers watching this right now. Millions. Um, uh, who, uh, <laughs> you never know. Uh, who uh, think, sat there thinking, yeah, these things are, things are pretty bad right now, you know? Um, whether it be, it might have been pre-coronavirus. Um, it, it may be, you know, obviously, been impacted more, you know, at the, it, at the time. It may be looking like now is a time that it's going to start to impact their business, especially with the shift online. So what about, you know, everyone who's out there right now, Michelle, who's thinking to themselves, I had a teaching business. Now it's looking pretty, uh, pretty, pretty sad. What do I, do? what can I do? What can I do to, to help myself here? Yeah. So I'm going to give a, I'm going to say something and then we'll, and then I'll make it make sense. I believe that the global pandemic has, is cocaine. I will explain whatever was there before will now be intensified. So if you ran a business that had certain core values around it that were based on performing and then COVID hits and that's all you know to do and that's all you know as kind of your unique value proposition and what you bring people, you're of course going to be like, well, that's gone. Now what? And there's going to be this intense desire to like lean into that and try to get people performing again and try to get that happening again. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas if you had a business that was pretty agile, you kind of decided not on a whim, but you know, you went with the ebb and flow, you were adaptable in how you worked with people and why you worked with people, then you're probably thriving right now because Mm. this just kind of shone a big light on whatever was happening before. So when we admit that, that is where the gold is, right? When we say, oh, this is this is such a illuminator to me. So you say, well, great, how do I get started? Look at what your business was pre-COVID. Look at what you were doing. How were you succeeding? What were you trying to get done? Who was your market? What were their primary goals? And then ask yourself, hmm, do those goals exist anymore? Am I still trying to sell the old thing, even though the old thing doesn't exist anymore? So um, to get started, come to Jesus talk. That's the first thing. Second thing is use everything that is about you that is amazing and creative and got you into this business in the first place. The performing, the art, the creation, the digging of a character, the knowing of the nuances. Use all of those skills and apply them to your business. What can I do differently? What can I adjust? Who am I speaking to? What am I, as an actor, what am I reacting to? And how is it different? Because any good actor, any good performer knows you don't just like sit there and vomit out lines. You react to everything that's happening to you, right? And if that other actor says a line in a different way to you one night, if, you, if you're trained in acting, what are you going to do? You're going to say your line differently, even though it's the same line. So we can use this example and say, oh, I'm getting the lines thrown at me in a very different way. How am I going to react? How am I going to say my lines, my business differently? Third, consider if you want to add revenue streams 
that in that are out of what else you are good at additionally to your voice training and what would an example of that be that you see commonly in the in the people you work with so often voice teachers are trained in body work they're often trained in anatomy physiology they're often trained in acting they're often trained in dance they're often trained in a wellness and maybe they've gotten really good at marketing so they understand social media they understand seo they understand this right there are all these like little fingers that we as perform because as a performer and as a voice teacher we have to be multifaceted we got to know how to do a lot of things right so pull out those one or two things that you are exceptionally good at in addition and see what can I create around this that will serve the needs that are of today and then can be delivered mm. in a model that is appropriate to my and my community's risk tolerance. Sorry, what, what do you mean by risk tolerance? Pardon me. Yeah. Oh, well, I was speaking to probably a call, uh, one of our members who's from UK for, of Speakeasy and they were saying, y'all are like locked down. Like people are like getting prosecuted if they're in big groups and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I personally would not want to take that risk, right? Like I would not want to lead a group class. So when I say risk tolerance, I'm very literally meaning like, how comfortable are you in what COVID situation being around other people for how long with aerosols and, you know, like all of that. So that's what I meant by risk tolerance. Because some right. people, yeah, yeah, like where I am, I could probably teach in person with like masks in my garage fans, but we have people with high health issues in my family, like high risk. So I'm staying online for like the way foreseeable for future because of that. My risk tolerance is low. Whereas someone, if there's not a lot of cases, um, it's on a downward trend, people are following rules, they're doing what they need to do. They want to put together a group per in-person workshop with 10 people in a 3,000 square foot space with a ventilator, you know, whatever, <laughs> and masks, that might be their risk tolerance that they could create. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you think, I think in, in terms of that as well, you know, what, you, what, what venues are available kind of comes into it a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like London, I'm sure any city is full of tiny little rooms with no windows that people teach in. So the ventilation is not possible. Everything's not possible. Um, right. And so, uh, and so, you know, riffing off of that whole, you know, you've got other skills, but your industry isn't there. I think the people that have um, expressed the most difficult to, difficulty to me um, when I've spoke to other teachers are those who are in musical theatre yep. and they are auditioning people for shows. Um, they are the people who have seen their businesses completely collapse. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, okay, I think we're... We're speaking very much when you say what you say to people who've seen that kind of example of, of a shift in the industry. Yeah. Um, and, and off of that, then, how could someone, how could someone, because I presume they're going to have to rejig the website to say, OK, I might be an audition coach, but there aren't any auditions. So someone has to then, what, reinvent their homepage, really, to speak to a different client. Yeah. So I think, you know, this kind of gets doubly hard. For people because you we go into voice many of us not all of us but many of us go into voice teaching with no business 
understanding other than I need to charge people money and then take it and then pay my Spend bills. Spend it. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, um, the most important part. So, so when you start introducing things that bring success in an online global market, it just feels completely overwhelming because those thoughts were never had in the first place. So for example, you said like homepage of your website. Well, you can't build a website unless you're very clear about who you serve best, which is often called ideal client, right? So, or ideal client avatar, whatever. So if you, I would say, please understand the problems you solve for the people you want to serve. So you're understanding who you want to serve and how you solve their problem. Right? And then you say, great, how do I solve that problem? What's my actual process? Simon Bowen, he's a sales guy. He's got this great little model that I love to repeat. And he says, you have to establish yourself, your profile, who are you in the world on your website? Because you asked about websites specifically. Yeah. Establish yourself. Then you have to talk about your promise. What are the results of working with you? Then you have to talk about your process. How do you actually get those results? What is your offer, essentially? What's it packaged like? What's the container? And then we can talk price. Then we can proceed. Right? So if you don't, if you're trying to just like bust into a global market and you have no profile, that's where I think the biggest, trickiest, scariest part is, right? Because most people get, they build their businesses on word of mouth. Yeah, no, it almost seems as though, you know, pre- Pre the push online, I mean, there must there must be, and again, we're not one for for for, for um, out, out, outlining st- stats that are incorrect, but um, you know, a huge proportion of teaching would have been in person clearly before COVID, and a lot of that would have been in, I'm sure, in communities, um, small towns, etc., where the teacher is, you know, they do. It's kind of like a monopoly in a sense, right? If anybody that's at all interested in singing in the area, uh, I'm your person because there isn't anybody else. Um, whereas now in, in, in some ways, yeah, like you say, I mean, it's, 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 it's analyzing what do I do best after all of the years of doing what I do, you know, I, cause sorry to rant, but I just, no. it makes sense that someone new who comes to the scene of teaching is a little unsure of that. Right. It's almost like, I think doubly hard for those guys right now who, who have only just begun because figuring out what is your thing can take a while, but nevertheless, I guess what you're saying is figure that out and then figure out if there's a need for it as well is an important part of this right? Yeah. Because uh, with the shift online as well. Yeah. And I think, so there, I think there are two kind of issues that tend to get muddled in this. Mm. The shift to online is twofold. There are some people who are shifting to go to an online audience. And there are some people who are shifting their offer to be delivered online, but their audience is still the same in terms of like that local community. So where the people that I know that are in the smaller communities and they're kind of the person who's like, I was the person, I was the only person and now it's all dried up. That teacher or that business owner has to say, my market has inherently changed in terms of how much money it brings in what whatever's going on with those people that they can't pay me that they're leaving or that they're having an emotional response that I am not meeting a need for I need to address those issues 
So I find that a lot of people, they just keep trying to sell the same offer and just, oh, well, I just need to find the people that'll pay for it. That is one way to do it. But if you're already a local teacher and that is what you want to be, then I would say, relook at what you're offering and what is in your school, what is in your skill set, sorry, your skill set that you can offer and still fit the, what the market needs from you. So ex literal example, if you lost half of your clientele because half of the town went out of business and half of the people don't have the money, what if you created a series of group classes for those clients and said, listen, all of you, this is gonna cost what used to be one voice lesson a month. We're gonna get everybody together. Here's like an eight week curriculum, right? And we're all putting in the pot. You make the same amount of revenue. They don't have to pay as much. You're still supporting them. And you, hmm. you ask them, what do you need? What do you want right now? Do you want to learn about how to stay connected during COVID? Do you want to learn vocal technique? Do you need an emotional support system that we can just all sing together? Do you want group practice sessions so that you can be accountable? Like you can create whatever you want to create when you ask questions about what your clients need. Hmm. And I think that's really good, actually, because um, you know what it's like left to your own devices. I've done this plenty of times in the past. It's gone. I tell you what I think they would need. Right. Uh, and then it will be this amazing thing that I think is terrific. But everyone goes, I'm not fucking interested. Uh, I'd rather do this. And I'm like, oh, OK. Um, but uh, that's the important point, isn't it? Is, is you have to do a bit of market research and um, and say to your clients, yeah, if if it means, because a lot of people on Facebook right now are saying yes, but there, there, there will still be auditions in the future. Amen. And that is true. Um, yet the people taking them don't see it that way. Um, mm. So in some way, you've got to invite them in some other way. You can't just say they will happen. I trust me. Or, They've had enough trust me from the from the frigging governments, right? Sorry to get political, um, but I think what you say about saying, hey. We all know you're going to have to hit the ground running at some point, whenever that is, and you probably have lost your income as a, as a somebody who's front of house and also mm -hmm. trying to get auditions. So I think I think your point of really um, uh, asking your audience and then putting something together to keep the cost down but the value up. Yeah, I mean, and I so I personally, as a business coach, something that makes me a little unique is that I do not believe that one size fits all. I believe that there are general principles that are applied to each business owner. And once we do some internal work and we dig out some things, then we can decide the right way forward. Like, how are you going to market? Who's your ideal? You know, all of that. But you are the business owner. If you're a solo studio owner or even a multi-teacher studio owner, you're the business owner. And so to somehow pretend that all of your shenanigans that's going on in here and in here is not inherently affecting any offer that you are bringing to the table for a client is like silliness. So just as we are all like, what the fuck, <laughs> you know, just as we are all like that, so are, so are our potential clients. Of course, they're going to be auditions again. 
So yeah, I, I see a lot of voice people, they're leaning into like, oh, well, you want to be the one who's on top. You want to be the one who's ready to go. Do y'all know singers? They don't come in with months to prepare. They come in the day before going, I have an audition, here's my music. Well, not only that, but the amount of self-pressure that singers put on themselves, and you're going to sit there and tell them that they've got to be like cracking a whip for the next however long until it's time to go? Mm. Like, how about we just create more neuroses? Well, you know, there was a a really fair point. I can't remember who put it. It was on Facebook, but I just thought, really great point, was... um, you know, creativity. It was like, write a load of songs, be really creative. And it's like, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we're not in the creative mindset right now. We're, we're, we're just finding the way to survive. I don't think creativity is going to flourish in some, in, especially in some times and for some people's situations. So yeah, um, some, some of the advice that's being put out there for the singers are just not considering their psyche and situation in this moment. And, you know, I'm ultimately, I'm ultimately for the singers because the singers are who give us our jobs, (laughs) you know, like we get to work because we're for singers. So I say, great, what can I bring to the table that's actually going to help these singers through this time? Because we're not, we're not one dimensional human beings. We have other tools that we can offer them if they want them. The other thing is, I think we have to untangle, if I may, kind of pivot a little bit, is I think we have to untangle some of the stories that performers and singers have around adding multiple revenue streams and what it means to do things that are not in line with what they've been preparing for their whole life. So we have a narrative in performing that is from somewhere of all of God's green goodness, that if you somehow do this other thing, you are no longer a real artist, right? You are no longer, and I I see it, oh, I see it in the groups and they're like, I don't think I can be a singer anymore because I took a job as an ex. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. How did you magically not become a singer because you chose to make money like typing? And, and I really want, I think it's our job as the vocal coach to help singers unravel their own stuff around that. And I know that there are people that say, oh, well, it's not my job to be a therapist as a vocal coach. I'm like, then you don't understand the neurology of singing. Right. Because your, your literal, I mean, your literal larynx is connected to the emotion and identity centers of your brain. Like, of course it's an emotional thing so help them figure out what can you do instead while we're singing while we are doing this vocation this thing that you can never not do what else can you do what else are you good at what do you enjoy do you enjoy being an assistant you know hey plenty of people are hiring virtual assistants right now right you are you are kind of taking the reality there michelle of obviously there was a Hey, uh, the, the the news the news items was flowing around Facebook of you know the UK government asking people to retrain, uh, and in this moment. But and, but do you feel like I mean obviously there's the extended thoughts of there shouldn't be a lockdown, this and that, because and the adverse effects on people. So there's that conversation over there. But given it is what it is right now, are you are you basically saying at this point you know be open to 
uh, be open to doing whatever needs to be done to get through this period um, as opposed yeah. to maybe chasing yeah chasing chasing something that maybe not come to fruition but yes but I, I would say of course because that's what we do in life we become better human beings by learning more things to apply to the things that we love. So I feel like what's happening is there's that people want to make this a either or or a boat or a dichotomous, right? Mm -hmm. Like you need to retrain and and somehow you retraining means you're giving up all this other stuff. And in the ad, because I know, woo, I got my UK friend showing me this ad and I'm like, you've got to be joking. You know, it's presented, it's presented in such an asshat way, right? Like it's presented yes. like it's either or. And I'm like, how about both and? How about both and? Mm, yeah. very, it's a very different message, isn't it? Very different. I know plenty of people who are both and. And that's what I want to invite people. It's like, why don't you be both and, 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 and. And, you know, there's a great, um, it's interesting because we're always like, we talk about niche, niching, 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 but people mistake that for only being good at one thing. Niching is not being good at one thing. Niching is knowing what you excel at because of everything else that you are also good at that empowers you to be excellent at the thing you're passionate about. Mm. You know what I mean? I love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, so many, so many things you say here, Michelle. Um, you know, one of the biggest things I think I learned along the way was um, just because I have studied in this thing, just because mm. I loved it, just because I did it, because I, I wanted to do it, doesn't mean that other people are going to, well, one, want to spend time with me and two, pay me for that. <laughs> because you know and i think it's a really and to your point you know i think that is a really important th if, if i've learned anything in these you know 15 16 years so far it's that which is just because i want to do it doesn't mean it's going to happen and these these aspects that you talk about of analyzing what your value is and what the need is i think is just way more not way more important but it's definitely more important than it probably probably thought of in the music in the, in the performing arts world in the because so many people do it based on emotion of how they feel about the actual activity themselves yeah, right and so I, so finding that niche that's why i know what you do that is, that's a great point steve and you yeah. know we are trained our performers are trained to be so selfish we are trained to be so self-centered and centering and worried about ourselves we're trained from the very big the first i mean think about your very first voice lessons who what were you obsessing about do i sound good am i making the right am i standing in the right way am i breathing right what are they going to say about me your teacher is like taking you through this journey of like self analysis self um, I'm not thinking of the right, cause it's not self-reflection even it's like self nitpicking mm. and many, many people, like I see a shift in the way that people are using pedagogy now. Thank God. Thank God we are learning a more gentle pedagogy. And I don't know about you. Like I did not have a gentle pedagogy. I had to learn to be gentle with myself. So 
to your point. When you say gentle, what do you mean? A gentle pedagogy. So I mean it in the sense of like, are we there having our pedagogy be student centered so that we are literally helping them discover what is already there that they just maybe haven't figured out how to manifest? Or are we coming to it saying, I know the things and you don't. And therefore, if I know the things and you don't, creating a power dynamic, which I don't think today, like that power dynamic ship sailed in 2008 with the iPhone. As soon as we got the internet in our hands, power dynamic shifted. And some people are going to continue to lean into wanting a power dynamic. And then also, you know, it's a much slower role when you have corporations. The gentle pedagogy. So institutions and all of that um but that one-on-one democ i mean the internet is a democratic a democratization <laughs> easy for you to say yes no totally get it and uh and that's what's it yeah so so look i mean if, if there's someone if there's someone again i guess giving some as much as we can because it's such a different world i know that michelle but as much as we can if someone's there now going okay i get it i need to let go of thoughts of uh, I do this one, this is what I do, this one thing, yes. get rid of it, right? So, and now I need to look at, okay, what do I do? What do I do that can bring people value? Um, singers or not, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I'd like it to be singers because I enjoy that kind of thing, but let's say it is singers. Okay, I've got someone that can help them and I understand what it is, whether it's I'm amazing at, uh, at helping someone sing high notes, I'm amazing at prepping someone for an audition, I'm amazing at performance technique, whatever the, your thing may be, they've got that down on a pad, all written down mm-hmm. nicely, and then they go, okay, now what do I do with it? How right. do I How do I get people to find, what do I, how do I make okay. money? That's what we're all yeah, here for. Yeah, how do I make money? <laughs> okay, so again, you gotta look at what was what were you doing before so that you can inform what you're gonna do in the future. So if you're going like, if you're just like, okay, I've never done any internet marketing ever before, you are going to have a very different journey than someone who has already done internet marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you've never done internet marketing before. Let's talk to those people who is all word of mouth, very light, have a website, but it's not, you know, they haven't really done a lot of work and, you know, worked with a brand specialist. It's all DIY. I would say you need to call every single person you have ever worked with if you're not working with them right now and get them on the phone or get them on a zoom and say, I have this thing that I would like to do. This is the results I think it's going to bring. This is why I think it's important. And this is why I think it's perfect for you. Don't call people. It's not perfect for cause that's slimy and gross. But if you're good at that thing, chances are you already know people who need that thing. Does that make Right. Mm, So this isn't like you're not like pulling this out of your nose. This is like, oh, think about your people. If I could do one thing for them, what would they love? And then just do a Zoom workshop. Sure. And how so let's get so with that, how would you so yeah, so you're pulling in, let's just say, um, let's just say someone has a student base of uh, in a local area, maybe what, um, 40 people. Sure. And then, so, so that in this moment of time, it's, it's kind of, I guess, assume that most, some of them won't be continuing with voice at the moment because they made that decision that it's not right for them right now. So we're down to like 25-ish. Um, 
and then we we call them and we we give them the the offer that we've got currently rolling and so then we get like 10 15 going mm-hmm. um if that isn't enough to sustain someone's income livelihood as a teacher mm-hmm. um what do they do like practically next in order to maybe um increase the reach uh, awareness etc sure what, what... so no one is going to come to your website if you have not created content on that website that is valuable and that search engines can crawl through and find information and that's called seo right you can also do this on social media platforms you can do this through starting an email list but ultimately if you want people to have their ear perked to you you have to give them a reason to listen to you because there's so much noise in the world right now that how do I know that I should even bother with you if you've given me none of your opinions anywhere, you've, sh- you've not shown me any work that you've done that you could help me and the language that you've used all over your site or your social media or whatever is not specific enough to me to understand that I will get help from you. So great, you wanna go hog wild. Awesome, that's fantastic. You have more work to do than just like deciding to go hog wild. What are your key messages? What are the things that you're gonna constantly be known for? What are the ways that you, what delivery method lines up with where your ideal client, where that person who wants from you hangs out? Mm, yeah. And you know what, you know what, when you, when I, when I think about, um, uh, cause I did a little bit of mentoring within, within an organization and it wasn't, it wasn't like very deep. It wasn't my main role or something, but it was something that I did for, for a couple of years. And, um, and and on that on that kind of thread, we were looking at websites on the home pages, and one of the things that always came up in that, especially when you're thinking about somebody who's looked on five teachers' websites, and they go, okay, here's five people who look pretty good, and you might look on all of them, and they all on, on almost in the first three lines say, I will, we can extend your range, increase your power, improve your efficiency, and a bunch of management speak david or buzzwords right of which everybody just writes on the front page and you just think all that might be true but there's no differentiation between you and anybody else Um, and if there's no video there's not even your personality to differentiate you from anybody else so everyone's going to pick based on price and that is it and then you get forced into charging less Um, and i think we see that in like we had a guest on who spoke about bands and it was mm. the same thing. If you if you hire a wedding band, you're not going to be judged on the song choices because they're all the same, right? Uh, you will be judged on price if you're all as pretty much as good as each other. Uh, it's about the extra stuff that you do that make that person go, oh, wow, they sent me a CD or a USB off the cuff for my car to listen to the tunes. Um, and little stuff like that, that was getting right outside the box. So I, th- I kind of... Yeah, when, when you talk about how do you speak to those people, um, we've got to start speaking differently about what right. we do and not just seeing that people just walk in going yes range extension and power that's what i want i don't really don't think they walk in thinking like that that might be in their goals but that's not what makes them choose well i think it's a so back to what steve was saying earlier i think it's an assumption that people come to voice lessons for the same reason we did mm. 
Like mm. we wanted, I wanted to have a better range. I wanted to be awesome. That's why I went to sing singing lessons, right? I wanted to sing well. I wanted to be able to sing anything I wanted to. I wanted to be able to riff. I wanted to be able to, you know, I, I often joke I would gig on Saturday night and then I would sing in mass on Sunday morning, right? Like I wanted both of those things immediate to me. So I knew what I was looking for. But there are many, many people who they don't even know what they're looking for yet. What they're looking for is an internal transformation. They're not looking to have better high seats. They might say that, but the high C does something for them. The belting does something for them. That's not what they want. That's what they think is going to get them what they want. Mm -hmm. So if you have all this, you know, shenanigans on your website around the vocal stuff, first thing out, well, any voice coach can do that. Yeah. No, I, t I tell you, you know, that when you say belting and you think, oh, yeah, how would you say that? Well, would you like a visceral connection to your own emotions that comes through in your songs? It's like, I know that's a mega flowery way to say to say belting, but that's kind of what it is if you really want to make it into a principle uh, or something that's much more boiled down and way less samey. Yeah. And again, what transformation? There's an old saying, nobody buys a drill, they buy a hole in the wall. <clears throat> right <laughs> love it <laughs> so yeah. like why why do you buy a drill you buy it because you need a hole so really your your ultimate goal is the hole so that's what we have to find out is like what are our singers holes why are they learning to sing what do they really want and i think that's why this is so hard for everyone because ultimately we all assume that every singer wants to perform we assume that every, every singer is driven by a need to be on a stage in front of an audience. And while that might also, that might be the colon or semicolon and you are not gonna sell voice lessons when you have an entire market who is not, not seeing that that is possible. Hmm. So meet hmm. needs. And right now, nobody needs to be reminded that they're not going to be able to perform. All the fancy things that they're going to be able to do that really translate to being a better performer. So, you know, this is a little esoteric and all of that. I get it. Um, but it does. It goes to language. And, and that's where you actually have a better chance of writing better copy because you are going to draw that transformation out of someone and Steve is going to draw that same transformation out of someone. And I am going to draw that transformation out of someone very, very differently, even though probably the three of us would take a very similar approach. Technically. And that's yeah. it on the, I love that on the need there, Michelle, because, you know, well, I think we've all, we've all experienced it in some way the past, well, past forever, but especially the past six months, you know, it's, you know, for the different angles in my life, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, been fortunate to be in teach to have been teaching online for, for many years now. And so somehow, and I guess through the podcast, Chris and you probably agree that you create a kind of, we've created our own kind of, um, that's what they're about type yeah. thing. So people, we're already kind of pre-qualified before, you know, when people come to our website, which is, which is helpful. But on the flip side, you know, our studio in Arizona, you know, it's, it was very clear to see there that, uh, for the, for the youth 
um, youth, youth side of things. Um, there, you know, it's, it makes sense. It's totally understandable that you lose fifty percent of your 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 family, your community, because a lot of them are just doing it because it's an extra. You know, we actually, you know, we had a lot of conversations with a lot of parents, and they, you know, especially because the kids are locked up at uh, on in front of a screen for school, and don't want to stick them in front of it for their extracurricular as well. In fact, they're going to do sports this term. You know, something we've heard a lot, you know, they get outside and they can do that. That makes sense. And it's only really been our, our most, um, the, the kids and the, and the parents who see, a, you know, who are a little more serious, you could say about it, that, that continue online and work with the teachers. Yeah. So right. I would say that's your job as the, as the owner of the business to mm. tell the parents why the children need to be there still. Mm. Like, again, it goes back to this, like, well, of course, music is important. They don't know that. Hmm. You know, of course, it's good to have music as an extracurricular. Well, we feel that. What's your of course? When you when you have that feeling of like, of course, this is a good idea. What is your of course? Because that's what we have to communicate. What what added value is being in the studio, whether it's for singing or for body mapping or for dance or whatever. And like, okay, you want to go, if, if all my clients said we are going and we want to perform and da, 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 da. And I had a risk tolerance that I could do that. I would be like, great. We're going to figure out how to do an outdoor performance where people are moving their bodies because that's what people want. So I'm going to create that and sell it. Yeah. Using my expertise and using what I know is important about music and the way it changes the brain and the way that it um, helps with all the other learning and all of that, right? So, um, have you done that yet, Steve? What a bit of a bit of which one? A bit of which bit? <laughs> Do outdoor movement programs with your singers? Oh yeah, sorry. No, I thought that's what you're asking, and no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Because you have really great feedback. We're going to go do sports. They need to be outside yes. and moving. So you go, great. How can I, that's dance class right there. Yeah. How can I do movement for singers outside? Boom. Luckily. And Luckily, you can, you, you, I don't hey, have listen, to dance. If that was me and you're telling me in the UK, when all we do is get pissed on every few days with rain. Uh but Steve, no out. excuse. Arizona, you've got no <laughs> excuse. <laughs> you get cooked there pretty much every day, don't you? When Have did you it seen last me dance? rain? When did Have it rain? Have you seen last? me dance? Have you seen me? <laughs> yeah, you do not want to see that. That's why you well, said you it. I get it. No, you do. Give him time with the choreography. It will be all right. I'm just saying everything, you know, Marie Forleo <laughs> wrote this great book and I love the title of it. And the title is Everything is Figure Outable. Everything. So... When, but like you were saying earlier, Chris, you were, you were like, oh, you know, but if people are the Maslow's higher of need, hierarchy of needs, if your basic needs aren't met, um, I think, I think what happens is when we get to that like baseline of like food shelter baseline, which is where we're at when people don't have money, because money is the exchange that we use for food and shelter. Um, I think people very much get wrapped up in like, if I have to do something else, that means I have given up. And, and just that mindset of like giving up is, first of all, it's not true. It doesn't have to be true, you know? And 
it assumes that some failure has happened that you had control over. You know, nobody expected a global pandemic. And so a lot of people are having to pivot, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's even like you're, you're making that choice for a second income to actually keep it alive, not to put it to bed, um, exactly. not to be bereaved by that change, but to facilitate the future. And hopefully with next April with shows planned. Yeah, it's, it's like a winter of something you might not be amazed at or, or, or actually, like you said, maybe a winter of doing something you really love that you didn't realize you could monetize. Yeah. And it's hard too, because online business is inherently different than brick and mortar business. Like there's just certain kind of unspoken rules that make online business a little bit different. And something you were talking about earlier, Steve, when you were like, oh, well, the podcast, it helps us. Yeah, exactly. So in the business world, we say it builds KLT, know, like, and trust. Your people will call you because you have built KLT by being on podcasts. I'm getting an opportunity to build a little KLT right now. Some people listening will go, never heard of Michelle, but wow, you know, I'm really, you know, smelling what she's stepping in. And um, I trust her now because of what I heard her say. So I'm going to check out her stuff, right? Um, this KLT is something that is very, very high value in online marketing and in online sales. When you couple that KLT with understanding SEO, which is like, what are people searching for? Literally SEO search engine optimization. And then how to fill your blogs with the proper keywords, understand how to build a slug. A slug is like the last little part on a website. So if it's like, you know, chrisjohnson.com slash whatever, I'm amazing and so are you, yeah. right? Um, what are people, how to like put that in all the different levels of all the different pages, how to use it in your blogs, like understanding how often posting and what kind of content your people are searching for, you know, that kind of thing that that's a huge ass learning curve. And the worst part about SEO is it's like changing every day because algorithms are getting smarter every day. So it's like, you got to go in there. You got to, it's a job. So I think people sometimes are like, well, I'm just going to apply the same mental principles to like online marketing than I am to like the way that I would build my, I'm going to network and I'm going to, you know, yeah, that works to a certain extent. But if you don't have the content there generating some sort of like, hey, look at me, hey, look at me, that draws people into where you're at to then have them build KLT. I read this blog. I looked at the sales page, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like an ecosystem of information that you are creating so that when people find you, they feel like they know a little bit more. Essentially, it's your discovery call, mm. right? Mm. It's just an online discovery call that's happening in any way that you market. Mm. Do, Steve, do you feel like we're pretty much just K? Um, yeah. There's not, not a lot of... Not a is lot that of the still a mnemonic? Is that still just a, <laughs> just a letter, isn't it? Um, so uh, yeah, we'll be. I know, I know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know yeah, them. Right, that, that's yeah. it. Um, hey, we've got some questions, and I got a really good one, right? So I wanted to, I wanted to um, uh, give it to actually. Jay Jay Ramage says something really good. Um, by the way, that that kind of um, corroborates what what you said, Michelle. Um, uh, Jay says, singers of my generation always needed a side hustle. We just need it a bit more at the moment. So actually, yeah, historically, just saying, you know, that's kind of how it worked for, for, you know, jobbing musicians and singers anyway. 
and we are creatives. We all have loads of possibilities for side hustles. So I think, uh, yeah, just, that was just a corroboration of what you said, which I think was really cool. Um, Pippa says, is marketing your skills inappropriate, brackets, even vulgar in these difficult times? Um, I find celebrating success and positioning yourself in the market and even expanding your business a bit difficult at the moment when our community is suffering. So I guess she's giving those thoughts of feeling like a bit of an exploiter, um, you know, in, in the situation. And, and what, how would you answer that kind of question? That's a great, I, I love Pippa. She's a, she's an amazing human who I happen to get to know. And I think that's a great question. So Pippa, because I know you, I'm going to answer you instead of answer everybody. And I think that it will help everybody. I think the question assumes that you believe that what you have to give is not helpful and not beautiful and not needed. And there are people, I don't think you think that. I think you know that you're pretty awesome and that you have something very beautiful to offer people, especially with your recent work in rehabilitation. Um, I really feel that if we are worried about exploiting, then that shows us that we haven't really figured out how what we do helps people, how it serves them, how it brings them from a point A to a point B and transforms them into a space where they are a better version, a more healed version, a stronger version of who they were for whatever the future holds. Mm. I do not think that it is bad to say, I have something that can help you and I would like you to participate in it. Mm. I think that if you're saying that because you, your motivation is like, oh, I'm gonna make a shit ton of money off some yo-yos who are hurting, then you know what? There's a bigger, there's a bigger consequence coming from no one on this world. Mm. <laughs> yeah, karma. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what were you gonna say, Steve? Well, I just feel okay, well. Just I didn't want to interrupt Michelle there, but motive is a, is a big part of this, right? Which is, you know, and you can read through. I mean, I, I don't. Know, I feel like I can. You can read through anything that just doesn't feel genuine. And as you say there, you know, I, I guess this does this does lead on to the um, the general business uh, programming or strategies that we may have as voice teachers. Um, it's just again amplified here. Which is, I think, if you if we pin all the way back to, all right, even what do I what do I charge? do I charge too much? Am I charging too much for these people, especially at this point? Right. Um, but, but uh, for me, you know, again, it comes back to the, I guess the simple, you know, um, demand and, um, et cetera. And, and, and if there's demand, then, then that's what dictates the, the situation because someone, even right now, someone could be in a position where they do have too many people to teach and therefore you would estimate that their value is high and therefore, then there has to be some sort of, I guess, kind of queuing system for that, um, which often comes in the form of price hiking, et cetera. But, but it, all, with good, all with good intention that, you know, I, clearly what I have to offer here is amazing. Loads of people want it from me. And therefore, 
I, you know, I need to find a way in order that some people may then look to bring on more people and teach them to do what they do. Some people may put their price up so that, right. And it just, it just seems that, you know, I guess if we're coming from a place of, um, as you say, I, I'm, I'm not sure what I offer. I'm not sure if it is valuable. Then, then a lot of other questions can come up, can come up with that kind of, uh, motive. I think to, you know, and this is, this is kind of bouncing off Pippa's question, not to mm. Pippa mm. anymore, but, mm. It's this idea that we, I don't understand why so many voice coaches insist upon taking responsibility for other people. Like it is not my business what someone wants to spend their money on. That is not my business. My business is to offer what I can offer and clearly and effectively communicate what that is so that people can find me and spend their money the way that they want to spend their money. I think where people get wrapped up is there's a there's a real big huge bro marketing, no offense dudes, but you know, there's like this whole kind of bro marketing kind that is really based in manipulation. And it is really based in psychological manipulation and it is ubiquitous in online marketing. And so I think when we when we are people who re- resist that we go, well, how else am I supposed to do it? Because all of the free things that I've downloaded, all the 25 free things on marketing that I've downloaded are telling me to do this slimy thing and that slimy mm, thing. And, and they you know, do. And, um, you know, I personally, I refuse to engage in unethical marketing. I have a slower grow than many other businesses that, um, that are kind of have on the same trajectory and same goals that I have. But I would rather grow slow and be extremely transparent about what's happening in a sales call than use all of this manipulative pain point, creating pain where there isn't pain, reminding people of their failure and why, and then hustle language. And and then telling them to get a loan or borrow the money, uh, which is like, again, like, I just think it's horrible. You just hear So, so many bad stories about it. Yeah. And it, it's always done. So I I think of it this way. The moment any marketing we do, and I hope this kind of speaks to what Pippa is getting at too, because I think that it is tied into this idea of marketing in general, right? Like, can I even market? Well, how do you define marketing? Because if you define marketing as like bro marketing and being an asshat, no, you cannot do that. I agree. Do not do that. That is the wrong thing to do. Right. But if you define marketing as, you know, really understanding your your client, really understanding who you sell to, really creating an offer that actually works for them, and then selling them that, that's solving a problem that sells itself. You know what I mean? Like, and then mm-hmm. someone just has to make a decision about their investment level and how that's going to manifest in their life today and in the future. Mm. So some things I would, I just did, actually, it's so funny. I just did a live on my, uh, my faith culture kiss business Facebook page about money and greed. And it, and I talked about that where it's like, you know, or not on money and greed, basically on how to know if you're going to make a good money decision. Sorry. I also did money and greed, but that's not the one I'm referring to referring to this. Like I have to make a big purchase. How do I know if it's, if I'm being wise or if I'm being fearful, like scarcity, 
And I think, you know, that's where the thinking comes in. We're not taught to kind of think ahead, like, where is this money going to make me money? Where is this, where is this thing that I'm creating going to bring results long-term for my clients? Is it going to bring long-term results for my business? Is it something I should do for six months, for a year? You know, and because we come into this business, like, I'm just going to teach voice lessons. <laughs> and there's no like end game to that. You know, it's just like, I'm going to just keep rotating clients until, you know, and our offer is essentially come see me and then go away and then come see me again. That's not really a planned out business model. Does that make, is that totally, I'm kind of yeah. right now? Am I making No, I think it's excellent. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think that, that's, that, that really, yeah. I mean, because uh, I don't know, coming from a, an industry where, especially in music, yeah, where it, where it might be a lot less academic, you know, people have spent their time making music and performing music often rather than going to college and places like that. And that was absolutely me as well. So it's, yeah. it's not, it's not um, a surprise that as vocal coaches, we tend to enter the industry with probably fewer skills online, in marketing, in business, in admin, even in bloody spreadsheets, uh, to be fair. Um, so, so yeah, our industry is, I guess, kind of funny like that, a bit of an anomaly. Well, you know, this is, I mean, this is a very long history of where does the arts fit in culture and what makes arts real versus not real and the relationship of commercialism and arts. Like this is deep. This has been happening for millennia. And here we are still having to sift through myths of like starving artist myths. So Steve, I want to I want to bring up something you said if it's okay about pricing. Can we talk about pricing mm, for a second? Please, let's go. Um, I personally do not believe that we start pricing with market. So looking around and seeing what other people are charging, that wait wait on that. And it's mostly again because I'm trying to equip people who don't normally think like this <laughs> to do something smarter, right? We don't have, we're not toothpaste, so we should not go look at all the other toothpaste and then be like, well, I'm going to make mine one penny less, right? That's not the kind of, we're, we're service-based industry. That's the first thing. Know about market, put it on the shelf for a while. Start with your budgets. Always start with how much money you need to make. Now, for a solo business owner, that's going to be two budgets, right? You're going to have your personal budget. What does my salary, my owner's draw? What do you call it in the UK? Yeah, salary's good. Okay. So in the United States, a salary is technically like you're an employee of a company. So we would call for like a sole proprietorship, a non-incorporated business. We would call it an owner's draw. Okay. I mean, there's dividends for, for a limited company in the UK, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Cool. Um. So anyway, you have to know your personal budget. What am I going to pay myself as though I were an employee of my business? And then what does my business need to make in order to run payroll being part of that budget? Right? Hmm. So when you start here instead, this I think is one of the reasons why people price so poorly is because I don't think people really know their money. And, I, and that's a huge thing. I, we don't have time to get into money mindset today, but there is such 
it is really, money is just not the thing that is easy to talk about. There's so many stories, so many narratives. It's such a psychological and can be deeply traumatic to speak of money and what it means and how it's been used and how it's not been used. And I mean, that's deep, that's deep stuff, right? But if we can, if we can kind of like, you know, like breathe <laughs> and, and really look at the numbers and really say, okay, how much money do I have to make rather, or do I want to make rather than how much money do I think I can make? Can I add there as well is that um, I did this exercise many years ago. And um, I wasn't, I was still in that, I, I was the person that you're describing, right? You know, the kind of, uh, I don't want to charge too much. And I don't, you know, I don't even think I need that much. And even inside I'm thinking, I'm writing out the numbers going, I don't even need a holiday. You know, oh, no, I won't put a holiday. No, I won't put a holiday. And no, you know, clothes. No, they don't, they don't go in the budget, do they? Clothes. Yes, they do. They should do. But yet we put them all down as like majorly luxury things. But actually, a lot of them are necessities, and I think when you when you're a business owner, you you definitely need a holiday, right? So, um, but I think uh, when you're clarifying what someone's budget is, sometimes they really leave out important things, mistaking them for excessively extravagant or something. Yeah, and again, I think uh, this kind of goes back to who teaches you about money. Who teaches you this? Some some artists have are very lucky; they have maybe partners or friends or their parents were like very good about communicating. This is it. This is the kind of data we look at. This is how this data works. And numbers can become less of an emotional thing than, um, than a shameful thing. So a lot of times we have this narrative in the culture around um, debt being shameful. We have a narrative around what you spend money on is moral or amoral. Um, and, you know, I tell all of my clients, I don't give a crap what you spend. I don't care what you spend money on. You can have like a $6,000 a month Starbucks budget. I don't care. Just as long as we figure out how to pay for it. You can pay for it. I trust you. You know what you want. You know what makes you happy. So let's just look at it and then make an, there you go. See, $6,000 a month Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Your, your accountant adds up your coffee and it's a shock, isn't it? Have you ever had that? That's Actually, horrible. Eight. Sorry, carry on. Carry on. But, but that's the thing is like people, but then there's a moral judgment attached to that. Like, oh my God, you spend $500 a month on coffee? It's like, yeah, I do because I enjoy it. It's an experience I like. I, I don't anymore because COVID. <laughs> Well, because I used to go, I have a, I had a Starbucks budget. Nice. I wanted to go have lunch at the Starbucks down the street, have my cup of coffee, have my sandwich with my laptop. That's when I would write a blog. It's when I would write a post. It's when I would do some scheduling. You know, that was in my budget, $500 a month. And there are people out there going, must be nice that you had, it's like, no, it's not nice. It's I planned for it. Because I knew the result that that money would bring me. I knew the mental thing that it would take off of me. I knew that it would get me out of my house so that I wasn't in my house. Oh, well, look, that plan went the way of the dodo. But It's fixer-upable or whatever it is, I'm sure. And then you get to make... So the reason why I say start with your budget is because now we're starting to be in charge and feel a little bit of that control. Then you can decide from there, okay, 
what are the other factors that go into pricing? What are the psychological factors of my client? What is the psycho what are my psychological factors? What is my unique where is my brand? How many hours do I want to work in the year? Mm. Or that that I want to bill for because we're, you know, we have our admin that is indirect we're indirectly making and then like our face-to-face time, right? Mm. Do I want it? How do I want it to look? Do I want it to have several revenue streams? You know, as soon as we start really allowing data to drive our businesses, it is first very depressing and then it's freedom. Mm. And then, you know, you know what, what will happen, right? When you do that with someone, you'll come up with this figure that is way higher than the competition. Yep. And then you'll have that conversation. What what happens in that conversation? Well, okay. So what I usually say there is like, there's a difference between a billable hour and what you're going to charge. Right? So this number that I, when we do all these crunching, the number that we come up is, okay, if I really only want to sell this many hours of my time to whatever, that hour has to make me this amount of money. Now, I can do that in a combination of ways. Part of the part of the problem here honestly is that many voice teachers only have one revenue stream or that their one revenue stream of one to one um teaching is like a really 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 way too big part like way too much of a percentage of their income. So then if that thing starts to get taken away, all the income starts to get taken away. So this is where like, you know, like it's real big right now to make online courses. Um, and to make self-guided courses, which I think is a fantastic idea. Um, just make sure you know what you're getting into because people sell it like, oh yeah, just make an online course. And I'm like, have you done this? It is not. Yeah, it's not quick. It is is not quick. And it is a lot of mental load. Again, the mental load. So if you're not in a place where you have capacity to do that, you're going to spin your wheels and you're going to feel very upset. Do I think it should be done? Absolutely. Do I think everyone can? and has an opportunity to do that and has something to sell? I Yes, I do. Do I think everyone today has the capacity to do what they need to do in order to sell and market, like create, market, and sell that? No, I do not. Hmm. You know, so again, back to one size doesn't fit all. But uh, looping back to the original point, that big number isn't necessarily what you're going to charge. It's just what you have to make sure that on average you make per per hour you sell. So let's say you find out that that hour is $500. Oh my gosh, $500 in order to make, how am I gonna sell voice lessons for $500 an hour? Well, that assumes that you're only going to sell voice lessons for $500 an hour. How else can you make up, let's say you sell a voice lesson for $100 an hour, and that one of your revenue streams is one-on-one voice lessons, and you figure that out and you say, great, how am I gonna make that other $400 in an hour? I know I will put together a six week online class on character development and I will charge $500 for the whole class and I'll have try to get 10 people into it. And oh, look, now I've made up that revenue. Now I have made $500 an hour. I don't know. I just made up those numbers. I don't do math in public. If someone, (laughs) it might not actually work out. There's a lot of angry faces on Facebook right now. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you just look at your fingers you just do this and just say profit basically yeah. bro marketing it's profit <laughs> stuff it in their face no, no. 
no, I feel you on the bro marketing thing. I, I just see it just it's just everywhere, isn't it? But I think I think um there are <laughs> there are marketing adverts now that are talking about please don't get sucked into these people, and you can see that 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 thing is starting to pass. It really <laughs> is. I'm glad about that. Yeah. The new bro marketing is the not bro marketing. Right. Yeah. So yeah. does that answer the question about the pricing though? It's like, don't start, mm. don't start with the market, figure out how much you actually need to make and then get creative about how you're going to make it. And then knowing that businesses take three to five to seven years to like get their act together. So essentially if you, even if you're doing the same skill, like teaching voice, even though you're, you may be offering something relatively the same, if you are changing it from a brick and mortar situation to an online situation, it's a new business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of the problem with voice teaching is that you can really get started very easily. Right. I mean, all you got to do is say, Hey, I teach voice and give me some money and then you can just start doing it. And if you're, you're nice and you're jovial and people enjoy spending time with you and you're good at what you do, you fill up pretty quick. You've usually undercharged from the get go, which is why you fill up so quick. And um, then it it it, lie, it creates a lie inside of you that it's somehow easy to build this business, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So, you know, put your business hat back on and be like, wow, I'm creating a whole new business. Mm. And it's going to take some time. Mm. So maybe it is a good idea to go get an employment somewhere while you're building your business. Plenty of people work in corporate until they're ready to launch their own businesses all the time. Like there are entire business coaches that all they do is get people ready to go from their job into their entrepreneurship. Like it's <laughs> yeah. a thing. So, so you can go the other way around, right? You can be, you can turn your, what was your business. You can make that kind of in the background, recreating it and then just go get a job to fund to fund your fancy. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, and I guess it's just a little unfair. I guess it probably feels un unfair in many ways, which doesn't help. If fe feeling that things are unfair doesn't help anyone, especially you, right? So, um, but but it, it, I guess it's understandable. It's like I did this thing for a long time and it worked out really well. Now, now it's hard. You know, now I actually have to do something. I have to do something to 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 um to keep myself in the game to to change things up to whatever it may be as you just mentioned if reassessing the whole thing whether it comes from how much I charge to what do I deliver how do I deliver it um again like some people perhaps who haven't been online I mean I've seen it on a few comments you know people saying I haven't done this before and it's daunting it's so daunting. So not only that, you got this and that and it's like just leave me alone I I will, I will go and get a bank job thank you very much because this is just yeah. too much like you know you know, which hard work. I love that, Steve, because that's the other thing is like, you know what? Permission granted, permission granted to take a break from trying to do this. Mm. Because ultimately, your mental health, your well being is way more important than like trying to build something you don't have capacity to build. And there is no shame in that. Mm. None at all. So, you know, I know. I know today we've spent so much beautiful time kind of like, come on, you can do it, rally. But I do think that it's necessary to, to acknowledge and to state this shit is fucking hard. Hmm. And it is not fair. It is not fair that entire industries have been wiped out 
because of a lack of responsibility and a lack of leadership on a global level to respond to this thing. It is not fair. And it's okay to sit in that and be mad and cry and scream and maybe not throw your computer across the room, but a good couch it's a loose, cushion. Loose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like the only reason why I can get up and still do my business is because I cry. Because when I feel the despair of my teachers and my singers, I let myself feel that. Instead of like rally, rally. It's you can only rally if you've if you've cried. So if anyone is here and they are in despair, first of all, please, please reach out, get some help. It is essential that you take care of your mind so that as we walk through this and it does start to open again, you can be well to do the next season of life. You don't have to recreate an entire business. You can go get a job and you are, you have not failed. You have not screwed up. You weren't a bad marketer. You didn't have a shitty website. Like all that narrative needs to stop. We are in a new era. You cannot market the way that you did a year ago. You cannot. You can't build a business the same way. People aren't buying the, for the same reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we have to acknowledge that. So, I mean, I know I got a little preachy right there, but I just felt. Well, I think everyone needs, everyone does need the acknowledgement that you gave Mm. as well. Um, Yeah. For the outcome to be flexible and for it to not cost your mental health at the end, at the end of the day. Um, Yeah. You've got to be secure. So whatever that takes and whether that means a, momentary temporary deferral of one's business goals for a short time um they're only deferred not decimated um so yeah i i think that no, thought is very important what you said there so thank you um look we're out of time for that for now but that was like the perfect finish um so i really appreciate um all of the energy that you've gave today which is tons tons of information i know from the facebook comments that it's got a lot of um it's got a lot of thoughts ruminating, lots of people putting their thoughts and and um, and concurring with some of your phrases. They've put them in quotes, so thank you for that. No doubt, quotable lines in blog posts, yes. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. Oh, you know what? Can I do something fun? I just thought of this. Yeah, go on. This is something, by the way, no one should ever do that I'm going to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> But I just had this idea and it sounds so fun to me. All the people who made little quotes things, if you, we're going to have a meme contest. You meme my quote, you put your logo on it, you put my name on it. And whoever can get the most likes on their meme, you write me, you give me a little screenshot and I'm going to give you a free business coaching session. Oh, wow. Drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. Right, viewers. Hey, so you, I need some so play say, in my life, so this feels playful. So when you say meme, Michelle, let's make this very clear for people. Is it, okay. I mean, t-shirt or what do so, I need to put it on? Uh, you can either do a, <laughs> or a graphic. So we could do maybe like a square graphic that has the quote. And then you are required. I'm helping you build KLT right now. So on the graphic, it'll have the quote that inspired you. 
It will have my name, it will have your logo and your website, okay? And then in the comment about it, you're gonna like, whether if you're on Instagram or whatever, you're gonna talk about why that quote inspired you. So what was it that made you go, yeah, that's the thing, because I'm helping you with your content right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you can do that. And you can write about it. If you have a blog, you can also share about it on the blog and link back to my website. If you link back to my website, that will increase your SEO, right? Like Very nice. So this is all, this is something we should all do. If any of you all hear a colleague say something smart, you should totally do this. Take that smart comment, turn it into a graphic that's in line with your brand logos and all of that, slap your logo, slap how to get, and then a little blurb about why this is impactful you and how it can help your ideal client or help you. And um, then you share it and then other people share it. And if you tag the person, then their audience will see it and your audience will see it, right? So this is, this is, so should we put should we put a date on this because we'll put it on, we'll put the audio online as well. Should we say look, two weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Second of November is the date when you have to send. If you do it, you can send your screenshot to Michelle. Second of yeah, November. Yeah, send your screenshot on November second. That'll be good. You want to know why? Because here on November third, it's election day. <laughs> and you you might not be answering emails for about a year. Yeah. Right. No, but I, I, I'm. Left the country. If, I, if people don't know where I stand, then they haven't been paying attention. But um, you know, I'm going to say I am going to need some nice, good mojo that day. I'm going to need right. to know that people are positively impacted by something that I have done. So November 2nd is a great day. You can message me in, in my Facebook page. Great. And two, by the way, things. the other... Oh, sorry. Go on, Steve. Go on. I'm going to say two things. One... Uh, Anthony's written, you know, not not sure how to make a meme. So there's a couple of things. Obviously, you can just take a photo on your on your phone, like blank, and then write on the edit from the edit of the iPhone, right? You can do that. Or you go to Canva.com. Canva.com is a good place to go. Yes. Or Word Swag. That's another good uh, app. Easy one. Yeah. Or uh, or make a meme.com. <laughs> so anyone who does not feel comfortable with this, because I don't want this to be stopping people, draw a picture and take a picture of it. Draw, draw a photo on a, on a piece post-it note, yeah. on a paper, color it in, write the quote, snap a picture, upload the photo. See you Done. later. Second thing I want to say about this, so if you don't mind, is, um, you know, by all means, if you want to put on there the Naked Vocalist or the best thing I've ever heard or www.nakedvocalist.com on that as well, then it's up to you. It's your choice, but I would encourage it because that also helks with the was it KKM. That's it, yeah. KLT. It's actually, so that's actually really smart. So you should tag me. You should tag my business. You should tag Chris and Steve individually, if you can, and the business. Because then all of our audiences will see your stuff. No, I don't want to be exploited. No, I don't. That wasn't all part of the bargain. <laughs> then that's my audience. Okay. I'm just Let's joking. finish that one then, Michelle. Let's so finish that. Chris and I will be having a session on scarcity <laughs> mindset and being an asshole. 
ending. Once again, my role in this world has been fulfilled. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, it doesn't even offend me. I, I have ticked my own box, I think. so. <laughs> but but Michelle, Michelle, please tell everyone unequivocally how they can get in touch with you and also experience um, your words of wisdom elsewhere. You have Facebook groups and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. So please go to my website, www.faithculturekiss.com. So like faith that you're not going to fall out of the chair, culture like pop culture and kiss like you kiss your kid goodnight, all one word.com. And there you can either fill out my contact form or you can book what's called a quick and dirty, which don't do until after November 2nd because you need to see if you won one first, right? Exactly. Um, but if you don't want to participate, then you can book that there. And that's how we can work together one-on-one -on -one and decide what's the next path for you. Or you maybe have heard about the Speakeasy Cooperative already through, you know, word of mouth or something. Pippa is in there so she can get you information. She can be, you know, tell you how that is and all of that. You can just join that and we'll get you in. And that is where uh, one of the places that we congregate is on Facebook. So we use several tools in the Speakeasy Cooperative to do what we do. And a Facebook group is one of them. Um, and then, yeah, just go to my website or message me on my, follow my Facebook page, Faith Culture Kiss Studio for Voice and Acting, Instagram at Faith Culture Kiss. It's almost like that's the name of my business. <laughs> this was all mysteriously planned. It's all planned. <laughs> just follow me, message me, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Amazing. Lovely. Thank you wow. so much for uh, joining us live. Um, yeah, like I said, anybody who wants to take this up again, keep an eye on the podcast app within the next few days, um, and there will be um, an audio recording of this for you to listen to again. Michelle, once again, thank you for joining us. Steve, thanks. I mean, thanks, thanks for everything. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right.